Hello and welcome to COVID Stories, a podcast series regarding leadership following the COVID-19 outbreak. I'm your host, Dallas Emerson, Director of Business Development at the IT Guys. Before we get started, these interviews were conducted during the COVID lockdown and were held over Microsoft Teams. Any sound quality issues are the result of social distancing that we're all too familiar with. If you're listening on our site, we're thrilled to have you, but you might find it easier to listen to COVID stories through iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Joining me today is Trisha Hall, the Executive Director of the Texas Pediatric Society. How are you doing, Trisha? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Good. Okay, so when did you know that something was going to have to change, or when, you know, when did you realize, oh, this isn't just a, a flu season, this is something different? Yeah. Well, you know, because we're in the medical uh, field, our our uh, society deals with uh, our members, our physicians. So we have a little bit of an inside track on um, a lot of things medical, and we're very involved in public health. So we were getting some of the scuttle, you know, a little bit early on. So we were hearing stories in early March. Our ID docs, uh, infectious disease and immunization doctors were, you know, um, somewhat aware of what was going on. And so as a result, we were paying attention Um we started, I actually decided on to send staff home. And so we started working remotely then. And, um, you know, probably a few days earlier might have even been more prudent. But at that point, we were being very careful and all that. But then on, on the 13th, we decided, okay, this is it. We're, we're going home and we're going to shelter in and that's how it's going to be. So it worked out really well. And how did that transition go for you? Well, you know, it's interesting because, um, <clears throat> For us, now we're a small staff, there's seven of us, uh, but we have a full, you know, full traditional office and all the equipment and everything. For us, it was, it was as simple as everybody, we had a staff meeting and everybody sat down and we decided what everybody needed to take home. And for us, you know, since we have surfaces, uh, we also had, uh, extra inventory of large screens, you know, monitors that we could take home. And, you know, except for maybe a cord here and there, we had every, everybody just took their stuff packed up and went home that Friday and that was it. It was, it was that easy. Um, we had a staff meeting to discuss, you know, kind of ground rules for working structure, you know, communications and, and what we needed to do. And we weren't even sure at that point how long we were looking at. It was just, let's go home. Let's ramp up Monday morning and go from there. And that's what we did. So it was for us, it was pretty easy. Well, that's great to hear. Uh, and so I know your organization's IT infrastructure is cloud-based. You'd mentioned using surfaces. Do you think that this would have been, it would have been as simple as you've described if you were in a more traditional type environment? Okay, so I have you guys to thank for the fact that we are cloud-based. And um, when I was with TPS, when I first came on board with TPS, we were using you. I think we're one of y'all's original customers. And uh, we had a different system uh, by which we had to VPN in and things like that. Uh, when we switched over to cloud, um, I don't know that we could have done this in a more traditional setup, to be honest. We have not missed a beat. Um, we Because we were able to go home and everybody set up, there's not a difference in what we're doing day to day. We have not had a technical glitch in terms of being access our, you know, we're, we're using box. So we access our files every, we have communication tools and we just have not missed a beat. So I, you know, the, what's really changed for us is not the technical side of it. Um, 
it's more of the volume of work, which I, I know we can talk about a little bit further, but it, it's not because of the, the technology that gave us any, any infrastructure problems. It's really just from a workload. Being a medical society, it's, it's unbelievable. So. I can't, I can't even imagine. And I, and I want to be clear, you know, I wasn't asking that just so I could pat myself on the back. No, it's, it's, it's uh, the truth. We're cloud-based and we have never, it's, it's fabulous. It's, it's worked for us beautifully and it makes all of our files, everything we need is accessible. And, um, so therefore we're, we're just, the only difference is where we're working, not what we're working on. Well, and I, and I think it's important too that, you know, when we're talking about these te- technology people, as a technology person, I feel I can say this, get excited about tech for tech's sake. And sometimes I think when, when technology people have talked about the cloud, we've done a bad job of explaining, no, this is why it's great. And so for a non-technical person to kind of be in a really unfortunate position, but be able to see why the cloud is important. That's really what I want to draw attention to here. Right. And see, I'm, I'm one of those that I don't need to know how I just need to know that it works and it has worked for us beautifully. And so I, I, I don't think we could have done this as easily if we had been in a different, um, if we had a different structure, I just don't think it would be manageable. So you've mentioned, you know, the, the, the sudden expansion of the volume of work. And I find that interesting because in a couple of other conversations I've had with people who are not in the medical community, they talked about their work volume suddenly plummeting. So what is the nature of the work that you're seeing come in for your staff? So I, I know I can speak for myself as the exec and I can tell you every single one of my employees is completely overwhelmed. And the reason that we're overwhelmed is because we're dealing with frontline providers. So we're dealing with physicians um, who are, um, some of them are ER uh, pediatricians, uh, but they're also running practices where they're seeing COVID. I've had several physicians who've actually uh, contracted COVID uh, through patient, um, you know, some through family members, but some just contracted COVID. And so, The challenge that we have and why our work is overwhelming is because on a daily basis, we're managing a crisis communications situation. So in order for us to be viable to our members, we are having to manage a COVID resources page on our website. We are having to give doctors advice on how to see patients. What do you do with sick patients versus well patients? How are they supposed to keep up with vaccine schedules if parents won't bring their kids in because they're scared to go to the doctor because they're scared there are infected patients there. What happens to those practices when they've lost their patient volume completely? Because, you know, the, the myth of every doctor is wealthy is a myth. Um, they are running a business just like anybody else. And if they don't have patients and if they, then their practices are, um, going under. Mm-hmm. They're they're having to get financial relief. Some of them are declaring bankruptcy. Some of them are doing fine, but that's a bit few and far between. The patient load has plummeted and equally scaring the vaccine rate has plummeted. Mm-hmm. And so try we're, so one of the things we're doing is putting together a social media campaign and some toolkits to encourage parents to get back into the doctor, get your kids vaccinated. Don't miss those visits. Um, pediatric practices are doing a great job of scheduling well visits in the morning, sick visits in the afternoon. They're doing car visits or whatever. So they're getting very creative. But as the society, that's what we're helping them with. And then uh, telemedicine, which is a whole new technology platform. It's not new, but 
a lot of practices are not 100% telemedicine, and there's a right way and a wrong way to do telemedicine. And so they're having to ramp up because they could see patients virtually, but the challenge is whether or not the um, MCOs, the 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 health insurance and the companies are paying for those services. So in many cases, physicians are providing services and not getting any payment. So part of our advocacy effort through this whole thing is we're having to find personal protection equipment for them, figure out why it's not getting to them. What is the state doing and all the regulatory and all the crisis issues and um, how to get them paid for the services that they're providing because it's not set up that way as infrastructure. So on that technology side, it's a nightmare. And every day we wake up and that's what we're faced with. And then the other side to that is being a, a medical association, we hear the details and we're on the State Department of Health Services on the calls every day to hear how many cases, how many deaths, how many are hospitalized, what the state is doing, what the feds are doing. Um, we're hearing from our members that their practices are going under. And after a while, some of it gets pretty depressing. And so it's that's the challenge of our workload. So our workload, if I had to guess, has tripled because mm. we're not we're still having to do all the other stuff we do, like plan our meetings, our dues. But we have grant work. Uh, we have all kinds of other work that goes on, but it's going on in a different format. But part and parcel to that and in parallel, we're having to help our practices and our physicians stay viable. And even in the academic institutions, they have clinics. Well, their patient loads are down. Um, medical students can't finish their their uh, schedules. The residents can't go on rotation because of the COVID-19 and the infection rates and stuff. So it's impacted every member segment that we've had. And that's that's where our our workload has just gone through the roof. It's it's exhausting and it's overwhelming. So that's a long answer to your question, but that's what's different about our our society and and the workload and what's happened to us. That's just it sounds incredibly stressful uh, and, as you said, overwhelming. How are you coping with a sudden tripling in uh, your workload without a sudden tripling in your resources? That's a great question. One of the things that we we're relying on and, you know, Mike talked us into this. He told us, oh, I don't know, whenever it was that y'all installed this. I, he said, you know, there's this thing called Slack and you're going to love it. And it's like, OK, whatever. Um, you know, it's like, OK, it's another it's another geek tool that you guys love. And 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 we've been using it a bit in the office and the staff more so than me. But since we've moved remote, we are using it nonstop all day long. Um, it's become a great communications tool for us that helps us do things quicker and um, faster, quicker, a little bit more efficient because we can channel. We've set up some channels and we've set up some direct messaging and stuff so that we've got little sub teams uh, in addition to the full staff. So it, it, it allows us to get answers very quickly because we would normally do this in person or we might, you know, slack somebody in the office, even though they're just one door down. But we're having to do this all day now. And we've gotten really good at it and we like it as a tool. And that's been helpful to communicate and communicate quickly. And we use some levity and some emoticons, you know, all that. But it's it's working great. That's been helpful. As far as managing it, it's like anything else. When you get into a crisis situation, which we've been in several times, not only when we had the border surge, 
the immigration issues or we've been, you know, we've managed an association through hurricanes and flooding where our members are affected. This is the same, only bigger and more long term. And so we're we've had to pivot before and work through crises. This one just happens to be more intense, a lot more intense and much more long term implications involved in it. So we're just using I, you know, Slack is a great tool. We've been using Zoom, obviously. Um, you know, I don't mind sharing a story um, on the technology side. We we had a meeting that was scheduled April uh, 18th and 19th in San Antonio. It's our leadership conference. And we usually have, you know, between 80 and 100 people come and it's all of our committee chairs, our board, our basic leadership structure for uh, pediatric society. And obviously we had to pivot on that and, and decide what to do, whether to cancel it or go virtual. And so we ended up going virtual and we had 16, 15, 16 committees that meet during that weekend. Um, in addition to social events and a board meeting and all that, we decided to pare down, host our committee meetings and we basically set up Zoom platform for 15 committees in one day on a Saturday. Um, we prepped for it. Um, we developed the agendas with our physicians. Uh, staff spent some extra time planning it, getting it ready, confirming the attendance, handling all, handling all of the technical aspects to setting up that many Zooms. Um, and what was interesting is one of my staff did a very brief instructional video for how to use Zoom. And when we forwarded that to all of our co-chairs, because people assume that people are comfortable using these technologies and then not everybody is and they haven't used it before. So we sent them a real short little video saying, OK, your committee meetings coming up on Saturday. Here's how it's going to run. Here's your role. And here are a few little technical things on Zoom that you're, you'll be doing. And they got real comfortable with it. They were appreciative of the video. So when Saturday rolled around, it went off without a hitch. It was great. And we started at um, 11 in the morning and ran committee meetings till 6 in the evening and took a break between the banks of committee meetings. And we had probably close to 100 people participate. It was awesome. Wow. Yeah, it was it, it was great. You're, you're really leaning on Slack for internal communications and Zoom for external communications. Yeah, and we're doing some Zoom internally. Like we'll do small staff, little staff. We did a Zoom, staff meeting via Zoom and like three or four of us might Zoom in on a couple of things. Um, we've had conference call services for years and we still rely on that a little bit. But we, um, you know, the Zoom security thing is an issue. We haven't been the call, you know, a victim of that yet. But I know there are a lot of people out there that are uh, bypassing that. But um, we haven't had any issues, and it's just easy right now. We may have to change if that becomes an issue. But uh, those those are the main ones. That and just the fact that we've got all everything, our shared files. Um, that we're able to to work in and Dropbox and all that that we we're using for various things. So it's it's all working. Awesome. So you know you you already kind of mentioned this that really on the technical side this has not been a whole lot of an issue other than for your members and trying to communicate outside. Mm-hmm. I, I, but you mentioned briefly that this was definitely developing some kind of people centric issues or, yeah. or, or uh, and other than the just sudden fire hose of work what uh, what kind of issues are you looking at there you know i i think that's a great question because i think the bigger challenge for us is how do you manage this when life has been turned upside down 
from a societal perspective. I, I think that's where people are really struggling. And for, you know, we, we have a pretty traditional office and everybody has their own office and, and we went in every day and, you know, with, you know, flexibility depending on meetings and stuff. But for staff who've never totally worked from home, it's a big shift. Um, for me, I managed a business for 13 years. I worked from home for 13 years. And for me, it was just like coming back and picking up and doing that again. It wasn't that big of a deal. But for staff who've never done that, it is a shift, not only psychologically, but physically. Mm-hmm. And uh, several of my staff have children and even young children, uh, very young children. One of them's got a seven week old at home now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so you can you can only imagine that for everyone, it's a shift. But for those with uh, young children, it's a challenge and you've got it. Everybody at, that's working from home now, you have to manage the work. And if you've got kids, you've got to manage their schoolwork or infants or toddlers. And frankly, for those spouses, I mean, there's a whole different dynamic in how you interact all day long when you're used to being at work and now you're not. And how do you manage that flow during the day? Um, and so it creates a new demands on top of a full work day. But when you would leave, when we leave in the morning, you go to work and you can compartmentalize your life a little. When you're at home and there's all these other demands that you can hear in the other room or you don't, let's say you don't have a dedicated space at home, then it becomes a physical challenge as well as a psychological challenge. And so that, that's, that's been, that's been a challenge, I think, for a few folks. And social isolation also takes its toll. Um, you know, and, and I think, there are creative ways to deal with it, uh, and some are. You know, there's been virtual happy hours and people doing meetups, but also using your listservs and getting on Zooms every once in a while just to see people's face rather than just hearing their voices or just emailing or slacking or whatever. So everybody's handling it a little bit differently, uh, but um, but I'm also of the opinion that not everything can be handled remotely, and so there are some things that have suffered from it. Um, and we're lucky. I, our staff has worked together for several years, so we know each other pretty well. Um, but I would think for teams that don't know each other very well, not understanding the nuances of communication styles and people and who they are and what their hot buttons are or how they interact as a team can be lost in a virtual world. We're lucky because we knew each other well before we went home. And so I think you can, that's an advantage. I, I'm glad we have that advantage. I don't know what it would be like if we didn't. And, and then on couple, on top of that, I have one of the best staffs ever. I mean, they haven't missed a beat. They're exceptional. And so the trust and the confidence that the work is getting done and they have a strong work ethic and that we are meeting our members needs in addition to each other's shared project goals and everything has just been phenomenal, but they're, they're a tough team. And again, I, I don't know that everybody is set up to work from home. Some people need external motivators. Some people don't, um, you know, it, I think, I think there could be challenges if, if you're a different kind of person that is not able to do that. Not everybody is able to effectively and efficiently work from home without some other types of motivation. So it's, I think it's different for every team. I'm lucky. Uh, but I think we created that culture of hard work and and meeting members' needs and all those things. So I, you know, they'll wake up in the morning and know what their load is like, and 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 they wouldn't shirk from that. So that I think that just speaks to the strength of the team. So again, that's a that's a very broad 
response to a oh, very no, specific no. question. I, I appreciate that perspective, and, and it's something I had never considered. The the, the uh, potential for strain in communications and people who don't know each other very well. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't imagine if suddenly all of your communication is you know via text or email, it would be really easy to start misreading the tone yeah. if you don't know the person. That's a great That's right. point. That's a great point. Something I guess everybody who's in that kind of position needs to be aware of right now. Yeah. And and I, th- and I think the other thing, too, this is a different reason to come home. You know, this is a pandemic. And and I think the psychological uh, damage that it's doing to and, and there are psychological damages going on out there. Uh, one of the things that we're working on, it's not a technical thing, but it's it's back to why is our workload increasing? Well, one of the things I'm having to do is manage a media, uh, some op-eds and some get some things out there on the fact that increased child abuse and domestic violence has increased because of COVID. And mm-hmm. so as pediatricians and our physicians being in that, you know, in that lane, we're having to get messaging out for parent support and how do how do uh, physicians deal with the fact that they are we're realizing that these things are increasing. And so that adds an overlay that we weren't having to deal with. So, you know, it's COVID has put stressors on people that in ways they never would have imagined. And I think for us, we're lucky because my staff, everybody's got a house. They have good equipment. They have food. They have a job. They have a paycheck. Uh, There are millions out there around the country that don't have those advantages. And I, I say a prayer every day that we are lucky that we have those advantages. And my staff recognizes that they've actually thanked me and said, thank you for letting us keep our jobs. Well, you know, I mean, there are, there are associations, our hospitality industry, all that. There are people that have been furloughed and I know some of them. I know many of them. And mm-hmm. luckily we don't have that problem. Ours is a challenge in a different area. Um, and knock on wood that we don't have that problem. I don't know what the fall's going to bring. I don't know what the winter's going to bring. But at least for now, we we are viable and working hard and have the tools to do it. And we're lucky. Trisha, there's so much in there that I want to get into, but I want to be respectful <laughs> of your time. I know. Uh, so I'm going to stay on the path of talking about leadership in here and, and ask and ask you, what has been the greatest management challenge you've had to face during this lockdown? For me personally, um, yes, yeah. You know, I think it is the the added work, intention, and stress of managing a medical society, not only from a staff perspective but from our members' perspective. Getting up every day and just going through it and doing this ten, twelve. I mean, I'm I'm a workaholic anyway. Anybody who knows me knows that. I'm working again more now than I ever did, and part of that is because it's it's just ongoing. So the stress is pretty high, but you know, that just comes with the territory. Um, if I wasn't working the medical side of this, maybe it wouldn't be, but it is. And I know what our members need or are trying to know what our members need. And I'm just trying to keep that as my motivation. But it's 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 the added stress and the onslaught of the work that's been my biggest challenge. I, because I have a strong team, it's less about managing them, although I feel the added burden of checking in constantly on projects and stuff because we don't have the ability to go, Hey, how's it going? It's this, the burden I think is more on me to make sure that we are moving forward. And so I think there's a little bit of added work there 
as well, besides the added stress. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I think those are probably the two areas that have impacted well, me the most. I could, I could very easily see that given your position. So for you personally, as Trisha Hall, what has been the, then this is kind of a two-parter, the easiest yeah. and the hardest part of transitioning to the shelter in place that we're experiencing? Because we're both in uh, central Texas. Yeah. So what has been um, the, easiest, the hardest part for you? I think the easiest was just picking our stuff up and coming home. I mean, and plugging in and just going at it. I, I did I did not really see a real that was an easy transition once we decided to, once I sent staff home, we all decided to work from home. That was easy. I think the hardest part is what I mentioned earlier. It's managing the stress of the added crisis communications, the stress of seeing if our members can remain financially viable and trying to figure out what the new normal is going to look like. And also trying to keep my staff upbeat because they don't know what tomorrow brings either. And I don't want them worried about their jobs. I don't want them worried about what's going to happen six months from now. What are we, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to alleviate those, those fears or unknowns. And, and that I think is the hardest part of this whole transition. I see. So if you could go back in time to the, you know, late February, early March timeframe when we really started getting the idea that something was happening. Uh, but before everybody was fully aware of what was going on, if you could warn yourself about one thing or give yourself one piece of, uh, of advance advice, what would you do? What would you say? You know, I honestly don't know the answer to that. I don't know that we, you know, maybe define our projects a little clearer before we left to go home um, so that we had a, bit better of a roadmap, but I don't even know if we could have done that because we're able to do that virtually to some extent. I'm not sure what I would have done or would have done differently. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I honestly don't know an answer to that one. Well, I appreciate the I don't know because I think there's a lot of people out there who look and I, you know, I think right now we're I mean, talking about... We could about always armchair quarterback, right? Oh, and we of course. Yeah. More quarterback. yeah. I don't know... What I didn't know back then, I wouldn't have known. So, you know, I don't think anybody expected this to be this long term or this impactful. Even our physicians, uh, I think they are, have been as surprised with the way this COVID virus has reacted or not reacted. And so I don't know that we could have done much. I know that most of the crises that we've managed before have had a start and an end, like a hurricane comes. There's a there's a time it hits, then there's the cleanup, and then you kind of move on. And there, yes, there are long term implications, but not as long. We don't know the end of this, and that I think is the big. That's why I don't know what we could have done differently. I just think we were set up with the right formats and platforms, and we're able to work. And the fact that we're able to work helps us be able to manage. And then the rest is just up to us to just manage it the best way we can. So. Very good. And I, I think you're right. I think it's going to be a long time before we have enough perspective on what's going on to know uh, we definitely next time or if, God forbid, not next time. But if something like this yeah. could ever happen again, this is what we need to do differently. Exactly. And I, th I think well, on some level we are doing that. Some of our physicians are actually we're working on uh, we have a task force that's working on what should we do differently, because in the medical world, they're not saying this is going away. They're saying that we're abating it. 
and uh, and coronavirus has been out there forever. It's what form for next time. And so if you're in a situation like this, the best thing you can do is take lessons learned and say, okay, what would we do differently? And I think from the medical perspective side, there's a lot to be done differently from the state, from the feds. There's a whole lot that could be done differently from an association side. I learned from previous hurricanes what to do differently, and we're already putting out messaging. We're getting ready for hurricane season on top of this. So we're already working on that, and that's because we learned lessons from, you know, three hurricanes ago. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of lessons to be learned from this for everybody, I think. And so, you know, it's a given that the world is going to be different post-COVID-19. That not, You know, even if we go back to quote-unquote normal, it's not going to be the same. And so how will your world change or how will Texas pediatrics world change? I should say. I think we're going to be working in different member space in terms of trying to forecast what our membership is going to look like in the future. Um, what kind of viability we have, what kind of viability our members have, because I think the implications of COVID are long-term um, for a lot of industries and professions, and we don't know what the impact of that's going to be. So I, I think our world will change slightly from that. I also think that it will change in that we might, we're going to start using some technology for some of our committee meetings. And I mean, we've been doing a bit anyway, but I think we're going to ramp that up some. We will always keep our in-person meetings, but because they're valuable for all the reasons we know, but I think we'll amp up some of the other things that we just didn't do before that we can now do and do very effectively. Um, I think we'll change a bit about how we manage projects possibly. It, it you know, I think, th- I think there'll be several things that will, if not totally change, at least change slightly or add some new nuances to the way we work. I just so have to figure out what those are. So just more work on top of everything else. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, for anyone out there who feels completely lost, out of their element, doesn't even know which foot to put forward, if you could offer one piece of advice to them right now, what would it be? That's a great question. Um, I think what's been helpful for me is leaning on colleagues and mentors who are in the same position I'm in so that you have somebody that you can unload to and say, I don't know how to do this. What are you doing? Um, I, I'm on some executive director lift serves through our national, uh, all the pediatric society executive directors around the country. And there's a handful of us that lean on each other for various things. We're reaching out regularly going, I'm trying to do this. What are you doing? Are you going to anything from how to do surveys versus how to apply for the small business loans versus I can't manage this very well. I'm not sleeping at night or whatever. What are you doing? So I I think leaning on mentors and colleagues and other people in positions who might be doing similar work so that you don't have to start your own stuff from scratch and or you run out of your own ideas. That's been incredibly helpful for me. Uh, That and using some humor with my staff because we're we're sending jokes back and forth. We're we're trying to you know, we're trying to to do this as best we can. And so every once in a while, some levity. And I sent some music videos to my staff saying, I just scored on this. I wanted to share it with you. It was motivating to me. I don't do a lot of that, but some of the things I have done, I send memes 
you know, with some really funny jokes and stuff. And I'm getting a bunch back from colleagues and friends and sharing those all over the place. That's been fun. And um, I would suggest to anybody that finding those little pockets so that you don't get so depressed about this whole situation would be helpful. It's been helpful for me. Well, awesome. And I think that's one thing that I've come across a, a couple of times is people talking about basically needing to mandate fun. that You will have some degree of enjoyment in the day. So it's great that you're making the effort to, uh, to keep things light when you can. Trying. Well, Trisha, thank you so much. I could talk to you for hours. Uh, you know, you're one of my favorite people to talk to. But um, as we've talked about, you have a lot on your plate. So I really do appreciate your time. Uh, you know, I do. You guys are the hope- best, and I appreciate oh. I appreciate what you guys have done for us. And um, this has been fun. It's you know, it's it's insightful for me to kind of put into my own brain how all this has transpired for us. And again, I consider myself and my staff lucky and thank you all for all you do to help us do that. Well, you are welcome. And thank you. Thank you for listening. I'm Dallas Emerson with the it guys, and this has been COVID stories. I'd like to remind listeners that you have a COVID story and we want to hear it. Send me an email at dallas at itguysusa.com and let's set up a time to talk about your COVID story. Your story may be just the thing someone needs to hear. Thanks again.